understand. You can't just make a, some weird high-concept movie and then just give it a pronoun as name. Like, what's next? It? Them? We? Her? I was like, are you... Like, literally, yes. Are you doing a bit? I don't... They weren't doing a bit. That was the best part of it. They weren't doing a bit. I love it when people are stupid. This is the Big Bang Theory Theory. My name is Nick. And I'm Kyle. And we keep watching this show about the Big Bang Theory. Not about the Big Bang Theory. That is the Big Bang Theory. Trying to figure out why people like it. Sometimes we understand it. Most of the times we don't. This is a real no good bummer one. I. It's. Is this like the first like fan service episode? Yeah, there's something there's something really weird going on with this episode yeah, that this is, is worth talking about. This is season two, episode seventeen, and we're gonna go right into the name game to see if it's frustrating or not. The name of today's episode was the Terminator decoupling. Ooh. God damn it! Train thing, because they're on a train and there's a Terminator in it. So I never watched the Sarah Connor Chronicles. It you know it's one of those shows that has a reputation as being like surprisingly good, right? Surprisingly good. I. Uh, I remember, you know, the episodes I saw were all pretty good, but I didn't watch that many of them. Yeah, I've seen all the Terminator movies. It's definitely better than any of the Terminator movies that have come out in, like, the last decade or so. I don't know. It's obviously... That's not a high bar, but... Did you see Terminator Genesis? If I remember correctly, I might have to rewatch it, but I'm I'm pretty sure J.K. Simmons has the line, I'm sick of all these goddamn time-traveling robots, and I can't think of a better movie. Oh, it's... It is very that that movie is bad, but it's the best of the recent Terminator movies just because it's so ridiculous. It becomes fun again. Like it's not good. I, I miss. You know what? This is gonna be crazy. I don't. I don't think Terminator Two really holds up. The, so, the first Terminator. Yes. But. Yeah, of course. No, I, what I what people always say about Terminator Two is it's actually a pretty good movie. It's a terrible sequel to Terminator. So like the Terminator movies basically have been betraying themselves since Part Two. I'll, I'll buy that for now. I mean, I don't buy it, but that's not what this show is about. We need to get back on track. We so don't want to talk about today's episode that we're really... Just... We need to get on the train tracks, you're saying? Son have we of talked a bitch. about trains enough? I, I have to give you that because it was a good thing. It's just a hurtful thing. I'm going to do our quick summary. Uh, all the nerds have to go to a conference. Sheldon wants to go on a train, so it makes everyone go on a train, even though it's way longer than it would be to fly from LA to San Francisco. So they get on the train. And the two plot threads are, on the way to this conference, Sheldon realizes he lost a USB drive with a paper on it for the, the keynote speaker. And so he's very, uh, he's having a very hard time trying to talk Penny through the complicated process of finding his secret little hidey hole where he keeps his USB drive. Meanwhile, uh, Summer Glau, who is the, was uh, River in Firefly and was somebody in the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Well, so she is. She gets on the train, and so the whole second thread is the nerds trying to fight over what order they get to hit on her. Uh, Raj has the best time. He has a, a beer, uh, is really smooth. She's into it. Wallowitz points out, it was a non-alcoholic beer the whole time. Oh, he loses the placebo effect, and he strikes out. Then Wallowitz basically just harasses her for who knows how long. Traps her in the corner. She's uncomfortable and afraid. And eventually she breaks his phone and he walks away defeated. And Leonard goes to try to talk to her. And she's like, we're in Santa Barbara. I'm fucking off now. And you know what? That's the episode. <laughs> There's not really much more to it than that. And so highs, lows, what do we... It's so hard to talk about these ones because if you can't find something you enjoy, but it's not... If nothing makes you mad either, you're just, you're just like wading through this stink soup 
where you, it just it's a bad time, but you just have to get through it. And that's where that's what I'm feeling right now. Kyle, did you have anything really good that you wanted to get into? I get into the weirdness of Summer Glow and Firefly and how I hate that entire fan base. Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think this is a great episode to talk as little about the show as possible. I mean, it's just, I wonder how they pitch this episode. It's, I, like, this is an episode I don't know what, I mean, part of it seems to be blatant cross-promoting, right? Yes. It was just like they just wanted people to know, oh, hey, we have this show, it's called The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and so you should be watching that. Was that even an NBC show? I thought, like, that Firefly was definitely Fox. I thought... I think Sarah Connor Chronicles was too, which is weird, but that's what they did on this episode today. Yeah, I don't. I just I remember specifically. It's weird because I can remember the promos for this episode, which is all like a f- crossover between the Big Bang Theory and the Terminator. And like in the promos, they actually had the special effect where her eye glowed, like you know she was a Terminator. But uh, which made me think that the which I believe is why because the whole time I'm watching this episode, I'm having some really bad like acid flashbacks to. I get not yeah. asked, just no, normal this, flashbacks. Yeah, so this like, is one of the episodes you'd actually seen, and so your past is haunting you now. Yeah, yeah. and I think the reason like, I remember this one is because this was like the first time I tuned into the Big Bang Theory, because I was like, how are they going to work in references to the Terminator? And then I watched the whole episode, and it's like, oh no, this is just them hitting on this poor actress for 20 minutes while this dude rants about trains, which again, how did that, like, who was like, okay, we're going to, this episode consists of three beats. One, Sheldon talks about actual facts about trains that no one cares about, including the other characters on the show, because mm-hmm. we really want to sell how worthless and boring our own show is at this point. Which, yeah, so we have to come back to that. Two, the weird flash drive thing, which is also super annoying and pointless. And three, yeah, they're hitting on Summer Glau. Okay, I just thought of something that I'm curious about regarding the hitting on Summer Glau. So they're all fighting about it, who gets to go first. And uh, Raj, I believe, points out, is like, hey, uh, Wallowitz, didn't you and Leslie Winkle totally hook up recently, aren't in some sort of relationship? Uh, to which Wallowitz replies, uh, it's Summer Glau. Come on. And I was wondering, is there, a, is there a specific celebrity that you would totally cheat on a significant other for? Or would you cheat on any significant other for any number of celebrities or like what what are your ethics around that situation i mean i think it's not something that's probably ever happened or likely to happen but if it did yeah i'm pretty sure i imagine that you know i'm currently and perpetually single but i imagine that most of and any woman who ends up dating me is going to understand that there's just a certain class of you know kyle celebrity here now you're talking about different categories, classes, you say, of, of women. No, I just mean, like, anyone who is on a popular science fiction show between, you know, 2005 and and 2015, you know. So, so Kara Thrace, Starbuck, whatever her actual name is, she's she's yeah. a girl. Sure. Really? God, ever, Battlestar Galactica. Lucy was, Lawless. It was too sexy of a show. Yeah. Ah, man. What I mean, a, I don't care how... What a better show. You want to talk about what's weird? Well, now I feel weird because we're talking about actresses' bikes. But anyway, Lucy Lawless is hot and continues to be hot. There's you see her today; she is just she is just as hot. It's like she never ages. I think she's more attractive. I think she's than magic. She yeah, think... that might be true, and it's weird. Yeah, it's this, she. You know, I uh, David Tennant. What about what about David Tennant? What 
I'm just saying. If, if Oh, you'd fuck David Tennant. Yeah, who wouldn't? I don't know. I, I don't watch Doctor Who, so I don't have that. But look at him. I mean, come on, just he's look at cute. him. He's cute. I don't know. He's like, he's like, I bet he'd be like a fun little rascal, but I bet he'd leave a lot of like weird scratch marks on me. Like, not because he's like rough, but just because I do believe he has rodent hands and he couldn't help himself. You know, maybe, what if we tried to rewrite today's episode? Like, you talked about the crossover and how it appeared as if an actual Terminator was going to be in the episode. That would have been a better episode. Would would it have actual murder in it? Or would it be a lot of wacky hijinks of all of them narrowly escaping assassination? So the weird part about the episode we just saw is that I could swear there was another scene in it. And now I'm wondering if, like, that was a scene. Like I said, it might have been in a promo and I just missed it or whatever. Or maybe it really, or maybe I just imagined it. But I could see you even, well, I don't know if you think this was shitty. I could see you doing the whole thing. Like, first off, we're on a train. We're trapped on the train with the Terminator. We're a bunch of goofy nerds, like, you know, up against, you know, our mortal enemy, which is an, a ridiculously hot woman who makes us feel weird sex feelings and can also kill us. Um, and then they wake up and, I don't know, it's a dream? Or was it? Or is so that too much of a cop-out? If, if it were me... I think, so, the dream would have to make sense if you want to keep the show going as it's going. I wouldn't want that. I would want to eliminate one character uh, in this in this episode, and then just have it be a given from that point on that there are Terminators in this universe, and that any one of them could die any time. Well, and, no, you could, so here's what you could do. You could have, because uh, um, it's time travel, right? Terminators do time travel, so yeah, you could have... Do. You could have the episode starts with one of them dying, and they go through this whole quest, and at the end it's like, like the only thing to do is send you back in time. He goes back in time, and he fixes it, but no one will believe him. And the whole time, he's like, no. It's like, oh yeah, remember that time? And then it's just a weird throwaway line for later seasons. Remember that time you had a mental breakdown and thought that, uh, thought that you were being hunted by time-traveling robots? He's like, no, that really happened. Yeah, yeah. Like, Skynet is real and it's going to kill us all. I wish you would acknowledge this. That would be the next season. Like, <laughs> That's one... just a quirky part of his character now. Yeah. Is he's always doomsday prepping for yeah. the inevitable robot war. N- near the end of this season, it becomes a fact that a Terminator did attack them. Next season, much like in the beginning of Terminator 2, uh, maybe Leonard finally gets out of the psych ward. He's like, all right, I'm all fixed up, and I'm ready to fight that Terminator. And everyone's like, oh boy, here we go again. And, yeah, it would be a great quirk where they're, like, at Best Buy, and it's like, oh, man, little do uh, our peers know that this is actually the part that's going to be used as the processor for the first machine that will be instructed to kill humans on it, uh, using its its own motivations. This is, sorry, no, I didn't mean to cut. This is what I like about, like, a lot of anime and web comics. Um, you might notice, basically, any a lot of long-form serial comics do this, which is, uh, there's even a word for it. It's called the Cerberus Arc. Um, because Cerberus was a... You mean, you mean Cerebus? You're right. It is Cerebus. The David Sim thing? Yeah, so, good job. I always uh, forget you do know your shit sometimes. I mean, I know his name, and I know that apparently he's, like, a ridiculous misogynist. Yeah, he's problematic. Actually, problematic is not... A, problematic implies that there are some good things and some bad things. He's just shitty. Yeah. Um, but, uh, 
Anyway, he wrote a comic book that was originally just about silly talking animal animals sort of parodying Conan the Barbarian. And then it got real dark and weird and, you know, about geopolitics and the nature of religion. And, yeah, eventually descended into a... So it went into a, a B.C. in the Sunday comics kind of direction. Well, yeah. So, anyway, so that's called... it's uh, The TV trope is... Is Cerebus arc, which is you know when a when a previously comedic and silly uh, show or comic meet like turns and goes in a grittier, darker direction all of a sudden, but that just becomes sort of the defining flavor of the show. Well, let's we can tie it back to the whole Joss Whedon thing because that's exactly what happened in Dollhouse. Yes, exactly. Like right near the end of the first season. Yeah, another show where everyone's like, you know, if you just get through the first six or seven episodes, <laughs> it starts getting good. Mm. Well, there's, mm. that's. I do think we're a little bit spoiled by the nature of modern like prestige television, which always have these pilots that have like the structure and feel of like professional art movies. Um, because it, that used to be a thing. The entire first season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer is pretty butt. And then the second season on is is amazing up until it starts being butt again. But uh, So, what are you trying to say? Because you're just like, this show starts bad, gets good, and then gets bad again. Yeah, I, I, and I'm saying that used to be something that you just accepted about television. It's like no, that, that's something that a, maybe you accepted that about an television. That you could watch an, like, an entire, the entire first season of a show could just be shitty. And then it would find nah, its voice. Wouldn't do it. That's, uh, I think I have something similar with comic books is like, you get three tries. If you can't capture me within three episodes or three issues, I'm done. Yeah, I think this is the real, like, this is probably the real difference in the nerdiness between us, is I'm totally willing to accept, oh no, once you read like the first 100 issues, issue 101 is, is really where it gets going. But you can't just skip to issue 101 because then you'll really miss the, well, first off, you want to understand the callbacks, and then you really miss the... Uh... And see, this is where I become uh, a, a Post Malone-style culture vulture, where I don't need to read any of this stuff because I hang out with enough nerds that I'm just gaining all the bad shit through cultural osmosis, and then when something good comes along, I get the recommendation, I mean, recommendation, it can just piggyback right from there. This is what I said about The Simpsons, though, and you got so upset with me. That's because The Simpsons is fantastic, and you need to watch it. You're definitely... You said you've watched, like, three episodes. Well, I do have... So, I was going to mention that, because I just... It's... Who... Who's I... Like, why... I feel like I'm just repeating questions we asked before. Well, let's try to actually answer them. But why do the writers of the show think it's a good idea to have the characters in the show pointing out how boring one of the characters in the show is? How does that... Is that fun? Like, is that ever funny in real life when someone says something and everybody's around them is like, boy, that was a really long, shitty way of talking about that thing you're interested in. I, it's not funny. I have two answers to that. One is on King of the Hill, his neighbor Bill is just a, a, a sad, lonely man. And I think the extent of his sadness and loneliness and boredom, 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 boredom uh, is pretty hilarious. But also... Sometimes when people tell a story too long, I will tell them to shut the fuck up and get done with it. And I think it's hilarious every time I do it. So, I don't know. The writers must be one of those guys, like me. I write for the Big Bang Theory. I wasn't sure how to tell you this. <laughs> That's the twist this whole... Can you imagine how... Sorry, I'm yelling. Can you imagine how fucking great a twist that would be for this podcast? That if the we entire time you're doing we, this? No, both of us. Well, like, yeah, we, secretly, whoa, we tricked you. We secretly, it's like, we regret so much. 
Yeah, you've been you've been communicating with us this whole time about how much we hate the show, only so we could get your identities and end you. Yeah. That's like that episode of Ro- like the the famous series finale of Roseanne the first time, where she wakes up and it's all been like some weird dream she was having. Um, that's like this is us. Like we wake we wake up and we realize that we're just wishing that we'd never written the Big Bang Theory. Do you think um, the writers and the original like the creators of the Big Bang Theory feel that way? Do you think they they look back and they're like, what, what have God wrought? What have we done here? I don't know. I mean, it's just because they make so much money off of it, right? It must be really hard. Like, I always wonder about that. Like, if I if I made something, um, not like, not like cocaine or something that actually ruins people's lives or meth, but if I made something, although I guess that is basically what Breaking Bad is about. But... Yeah, and I think both of those things, people just like have a lot of fun without consequences. So I don't know what your problem is. <laughs> Sorry. Um, we don't live in the 80s anymore. Everyone loves cocaine now, and it's great. And as for meth, it's also there. <laughs> um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So if I made something uh, that I knew was terrible and not representative of, like, my highest artistic ambitions in the slightest and was also something that, like, I thought was responsible for dumbing down the culture, but I was still making – I'd made, like, millions of dollars – Selling it? I don't know, man. I don't know if I would, like, I'd probably feel guilty, but I'd also, it's like you said, you'd have so much money to spend, you know, on drugs and hookers that it'd be hard to have time to feel bad about it. That's true. Like, again, if I had money or fame, the things I would do, I wouldn't have time left enough to feel. If anything, I'd be, maybe that's what it is. Maybe I would use my fame and money to seek out the numbness I need to know that I've made the world a worse place. Like me in my real like job living life, I'm a filthy do-gooder. I I advocate for the downtrodden, and <laughs> that is you. You're the only person I know who is like I'd spend all day actually trying to help like the the most powerless people in society, and I can't wait to get out of this field to do something that's just incredibly selfish and makes me a ton of money. It's I mean just it's I am a pure good soul who feels nothing. And so I need drugs and I need loose women just to bring the numbness, actually, the lack of feeling. Because instead of just a yearning, you know, that's what I need. Also, you know, I think we are at the time where we would normally start wrapping up and get to our favorite thing. I think we should do that because this we just got to, you know, sometimes an episode is just dump and you just got to get it's through really, it. It's if you're really going through hell, you know, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely what we're doing. So um, I will say, I mean, she's a good actress, so it could just be acting. But oh, Summer Glau? Yeah. Um, in fact, I hope it's just that she's just that brilliant an actress. But she really sold that whole, oh, help, I've been cornered by a nerd who's sweaty and doesn't understand personal boundaries oh. and won't let me go thing. I, I it was think, almost as if it was an experience she might have had that's before. What I, I don't think any woman needs to be a good actress to, to be able to bring up the, oh, God, please get this guy away from me look. I that is the lived experience, I think, of just about, I don't know, 51% of the population. Well, I just only point out because now not only is the show uh, terrible, this episode was arguably unethical for basically forcing that poor actress to relive something that's probably a very real trauma for her. I'm not going to go that far, but it still sucks. We have a Facebook. Check it out. We have a Twitter. BB Theory Squared. Check it out. Yeah, now that we're posting JoJo openings there, it's a lot more banging. Yeah, who doesn't want to see me post the openings to my favorite anime? But you know what? 
I'm on season two now, and now the JoJo is uh, Kotaro Kujo. No, sorry, Jotaro Kujo. And, you know, he's not nice to his mom, and I don't really like it. So I'm not sure I'm on board with this JoJo incarnation. Anyway, uh, that said, we should get to our favorite nerd thing of the week. Uh, do you have one in mind? I've got one to, to do. If you don't, I can help kill time. I do have one in mind. It's it's weird because it's something I have yet to experience, but I, I know I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. Um, I was really ups- I was a little bit upset. Um, the favorite thing of the future. There's a, apparently for the last month and a half, oh, downtown LA has been doing an expo about my favorite... I believe I I always feel weird using this term because I'm sure I'm not using it right and even if I am it's weird but uh, I believe it's mangeka. Oh boy. Which uh, is that? Is it a manga author? Yes. Manga. Yeah. So I say it now. Uh, arguably the greatest creator of manga. Um, now you've got I was saying manga before but now that you've got me all it's like arguably the greatest creator of manga living um, and maybe of all time. Um, the true successor to, uh, oh, what was that guy's name? Who's the guy who made Astro Boy that everybody knows? I have no idea. Osamu Tetsuka. That sounds right enough. Sure. You don't know about Osamu Tetsuka? I know that he's the creator of Astro Boy. So anyway, so his name is Naoki Urasawa, and he created most, fa- every time you, most people are like, oh yeah, Monster, which, yeah, fucking right. Monster's great. Monster is a great, uh, great manga. It's a pretty good anime, too. It's harder to watch the anime because the anime perfectly mirrors the pacing of the of the manga, which is to say, it's slow. But um, he also uh, he wrote several um, other series as well, all of which are these just fantastic. Some of them are, are sci-fi themed. Some of them are, um, you know, more classically psychological thrillers. But they're all, most of them are fairly long form, but they're all these beautifully drawn, uh, impeccably plotted stories about, you know, um, you know, people in these complex moral dilemmas, you know, solving incredible mysteries and puzzles and, uh, and facing down their demons and stuff like that. And they're all just wonderful, really fascinating stories that also speak to, like, the nature of, like, youth and hope and optimism in the face of, like, a shitty world. And, uh, I mean, it's just really, and the drawing is, per- it's just, it's hard to even, well, this is why he has a fucking, <laughs> this is why he has a whole fucking museum expo that's come to Los Angeles, because he's so good that, like, basically you can't well, sum up what's good about him in a short amount of time. Well, but how about this then? So you haven't been to the expo yet, but you know you will like it. Is there a specific work of theirs that you would recommend? A specific work of, uh, so yes, yeah, so my, the one that I, and I'm so sad because well, it's not, they are all in my parents' attic in Georgia, but if I had known he was coming, I would have made some attempt to get a hold of my copies of 20th Century Boys. So 20th Century Boys is my pick for the greatest thing he ever did. Or I don't even know if that's fair. It's my favorite thing he ever did. It's about a bunch of, it's this big time jumping epic thing. And this is actually similar to how a lot of his stuff works. A lot of characters, a lot of time jumps. But anyway, um, so it's about, a, it starts off in like the 1960s in Japan, a bunch of like kids sort of, you know, like it or stranger things who are into rock and roll and, you know, run away from the bullies. Troublemakers. Yeah. Um, but nerds. Yeah. Nerd, nerdy troublemakers, you know, you know, wondering if the local house is high. They get together in their clubhouse and they hang out and they write comic books. And then it jumps forward to 1998 
where they're all sort of burnout adults, only all of a sudden the things they wrote in the comic book when they were a kid are coming true ah. in horrible ways. How is that possible? What's going on? And then it jumps forward and, you know, it's all sorts of stuff to do with, like, you know, there's like a plague that, you know, almost that kills most of the people on the planet and there's giant robots and there's, you know, you know, a guy stops, you know, a killer robot with the power of rock and roll and heart. And it's just amazing. And what is that called again? The 20th Century Boys? Yeah, so after the famous song by T-Rex, which I only know because the song by T-Rex is, I looked it up after I read all of the manga. It's actually, the first like 20 volumes are 20th Century Boys. The last three volumes are 21st Century Boys. Huh. Um, Alright, good recommendation. Uh, I am going to bring... Uh... Also, he did Pluto, which is great if you like Astro Boy, because it's like the it's like the dark, edgy reboot of Astro Boy, but it still works in a way that a lot of dark, edgy reboots don't. All right, so 20th Century Boys and Pluto. Uh, I'm going to recommend a Final Fantasy game that's going to come with a caveat, though. Uh, a few weeks ago, I picked up uh, World of Final Fantasy because I was on the weed and thought, I really need something that is going to be grind-heavy, because I like it when numbers go up, and I get little pings of dope, dopamine in the back of my brain. Um, but there is a, a reason to recommend World of Final Fantasy, and that is, it's maybe one of the best Final Fantasy games in like eight or nine years, maybe ten years. You are going through fantasy environments, fighting monsters with your spells, it's turn-based, it has strategy elements to it, uh, good battle system, good music. Here's the caveat. It's for babies. It is a game that was meant to lure in children who can't, uh, who wouldn't be able to, like, dive right into one of the more, uh, mature Final Fantasy games. And so it's got good gameplay and jokes that are meant for eight-year-olds and dialogue that is insufferable. Uh, and so maybe it's a good thing to play when you're on the weed. Uh, but yeah, it is, it is super cute, though. Uh, and so I... I definitely would give it at least a B, if not like an A minus. Uh, but it's it is very old school. You have to love the grind. Uh, it has Pokemon elements. You capture monsters, so you have to like want to do that and love leveling things up and mixing and matching abilities and all that. Which which I do. Like it's a very lame thing, but one of my favorite things to do in RPGs is just to arrange my menus and everyone's equipment so that I know they're fighting it optimally. I, I just gotta have all the best gears all lined up. I used to grind to make sure that every character... Oh, you know what I used to do, which is... A, this is a reason that I think a mental health professional once was like, you should read this book about Asperger's, even if you don't necessarily... <laughs> if you're not on the, the autism spectrum. And that was like, when I was a kid, any game I played, any RPG that had like three or four party members, I wouldn't ever finish a boss fight if all of my members didn't survive because I was disgusted by them not all having the exact same amount of experience points and all leveling simultaneously. Like, I would, if I, and I, if I couldn't fix it, I would reset the game and start over. That's the kind of, like, weird... You can't, you can't, because uh, this is an audio medium, but just imagine Kyle looking on in horror at yeah. the very thought of, of the amount of time... And it's genuine. He's not making a mock, disgusted face. He's like, his, his eyes and his mouth are agape in shock and judgment. I mean, that ju just, Jesus, that's a lot of time. Well, it's the same thing like when I used to play with Legos, everything had to be completely symmetrical in shape and color or I wouldn't build it. 
I just, I couldn't let there be any asymmetry, and I was, I was just revolted by the idea of it not conforming, and if I, like, broke one of them on accident, like I bumped it against something or whatever, I'd have to rebuild it exactly as I remember doing it the first time. Um, I don't know. I should tell all this to my therapist. <laughs>